Okay, uh, we are gonna go ahead and get started. Uh, let me call this meeting of the Law and Legislation Committee to order. Um, please call the roll to establish a quorum. And I know that we have Mr. Guerra on Zoom. Thank you, Councilmember Guerra. Here. Like a voice from God. <laughs> Councilmember Harris will be absent today. Councilmember Valenzuela. Here. Here, Chenier. I'm here. Let's go ahead. I'm going to ask Ms. Hernandez to do the land acknowledgement and the pledge. Please stand. Uh, please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands to the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu Valley, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Putwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. And now for the pledge. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Great, thank you very much. Uh, let's go ahead and move to our first item, the consent calendar. Any comments, questions on the consent calendar? Um, I know it was off, sorry. And these are for the item. No, Chair, I have no speaker slips for the consent calendar, nor do I have hands raised in Zoom. Okay, uh, is there a motion? So moved, Chair. I'll go ahead and second. Um, please call the roll. Councilmember Guerra? Aye. Councilmember Harris is absent. Councilmember Valenzuela? Yes. Uh, Council and Chair Chenier? I am here and I say aye. Thank you. All right, let's go ahead and move to our one uh, item tonight, new building electrification ordinance proposed framework. Mr. Hertel, you're gonna educate us. Development Department and it's great to be with you here in person. On June 1st, 2021, City Council adopted the new building electrification ordinance, which adopted local amendments to the California Building Standards Code. However, the California Building Standards Code is on a three-year cycle, and when Council adopted the new building electrification ordinance last year, the 2019 California Building Standards Code was in effect. The 2022 California Building Standards Code was published on July 1st of this year and goes into effect on January 1, 2023. For the new building electrification ordinance to be enforceable, it must be readopted to align with the 2022 California Building Standards Code. Today, I'll present the proposed framework for the updated ordinance and provide a brief update on the technical panel and development of the infeasibility waiver guidance document. 
the new building electrification ordinance established phased requirements for the electrification of new building construction. Starting on January 1st, 2023, newly constructed buildings of three stories or less will need to be built as all electric. Then on January 1st, 2026, newly constructed buildings of four stories or more will need to be built as all electric. The ordinance also includes several limited exemptions, including allowing gas piping for restaurant cooking equipment and gas piping for manufacturing process loads until January 1st, 2026. The ordinance also includes an infeasibility waiver process for portions of the newly constructed buildings that are demonstrated to be infeasible as all electric. Staff is recommending some minor revisions to the ordinance to align with the 2022 California Building Standards Code. Before we get into the proposed framework for the new building electrification ordinance, I want to talk, take a moment to clarify the applicability of the new building electrification ordinance and how it differs from the longer term effort of retrofitting existing buildings to all electric. On June 1st, 2021, along with the adoption of the new building electrification ordinance, council directed staff to establish a framework for existing building electrification. Since December, staff and consultant teams have been gathering data, conducting modeling and conducting outreach. It'll be a long-term strategy document that outlines an equitable approach for retrofitting the city's building stock over the next few decades. It is important to note that existing buildings and existing businesses can continue as, to operate as normal. And there's currently no ordinance or electrification requirement for existing buildings. Using restaurants as an example, this table attempts to further clarify who will be subject to the new building electrification ordinance. So let's say you're an existing restaurant and you want to upgrade your gas equipment or remodel your restaurant. The new building electrification ordinance would not apply to you. If you are an existing restaurant that wants to move locations to any building that exists in the city today, this ordinance would not impact you. Or you want to open a brand new restaurant in any building that exists in the city, the ordinance would still not apply. If you are a developer or a contractor and want to build a brand new building and run gas for a restaurant, you can continue to do so until January 1st, 2026. And finally, if you are a developer or contractor and want to build a brand new building and run gas for a restaurant after January 1, 2026, you would have to apply for and be granted an infeasibility waiver prior to receiving your building permit to construct the gas line. Continuing with the example of restaurants, this slide helps illustrate the scale and projected impact of the new building electrification ordinance. According to the city's building permit records, the vast majority of new or relocating restaurants go into existing buildings. Since 2010, only 22 new buildings have been constructed with restaurants half of which, which were newly constructed fast food restaurants. Two were coffee shops, five were fast casual restaurants like sandwich shops or pizzerias, with only four newly constructed sit-down restaurants in 12 years. These four newly constructed sit-down restaurants were Sushi Q on Florin, Cafe Bernardo at Forder Sutter Hotel, Hawks Public House on Alhambra, and Echo Rig in the Kimden Sawyer Hotel. So I will now walk through the proposed revisions to the ordinance. The first recommended revision 
pretends, pertains to the local amendment process. The ordinance adopted last year was a local amendment to the Energy Code section of the 2019 California Building Standards Code. Based on lessons learned from other jurisdictions making similar local amendments, we recommend adopting the ordinance as a local amendment to the Green Standards Code, or CalGreen, section of the 2022 California Building Standards Code. The current version of the ordinance includes a limited exemption until January 1, 2026, to allow gas water heating and regulated affordable housing where virtual net energy metering is not available. Since adoption of the ordinance in June of 2021, SMUD has established the virtual solar program for qualified multifamily affordable housing developments. This was in direct response to requests made by the affordable housing community. Under this program, a portion of the money generated by solar is returned to the individual tenants via a monthly bill credit. SMUD is convening a meeting with the Sacramento Housing Alliance and city staff to discuss how the virtual solar program has been going thus far. And staff will consider the outcomes of those discussions when bringing the draft ordinance back to this committee next month. We recommend simplifying and clarifying the definitions of an all electric building and mixed fuel building by removing references to specific equipment and appliances and for consistency with the plumbing and mechanical code recommend using the term fuel gas instead of natural gas or propane. Also recommend clarifying in the definition for an all electric building that essential facilities such as police and fire stations are permitted to use emergency backup systems. As I will discuss in a moment, council directed staff to develop an infeasibility waiver guidance document and waiver application process for developers that can demonstrate that it is infeasible to construct a new building as all electric. Title I of the city code already includes an appeal process for building division decisions. However, staff recommends specifying in the ordinance that if an infeasibility waiver application was denied, the applicant has 10 business days to file an appeal. In April of 2021, council adopted the new electric vehicle charging requirements that were above and beyond the state's requirements. However, the state's 2022 building code that goes into effect on January 1st is much more stringent than the city's EV charging requirements. Therefore, staff recommends rescinding this chapter of the city code and requiring new development to comply with the state requirements. Sacramento's current ordinance requires 20% of parking spaces and new non-residential and multifamily development to be EV capable meaning that the electrical conduit that protects electrical wiring as well as adequate panel capacity is installed so that an EV charging station can be installed in the future without ripping out pavement or having to replace electrical panel. It also requires at least one installed level two EV charger. As shown on this slide, the 2022 Cal Green EV charging infrastructure standards significantly exceed the city's EV charging requirements. As an example, Hotels, motels, apartments, and condos with more than 20 dwelling units are required to have 10% of the parking spaces as EV capable, 25% as EV ready, and 5% of the spaces with installed level two chargers. Along with the adoption of the new building electrification ordinance, council directed staff to establish a technical panel to provide input into the development of a guidance document that lays out the process and criteria for the review of infeasibility waiver applications. 
A 14-member technical panel was selected according to the categories approved by council. Five meetings have been held since February, with the sixth meeting, sixth and final meeting to be held next week. Following the technical panel meeting, staff will revise the draft and feasibility waiver guidance document and then present it to the Law and Legislation Committee on September 20th. During this committee meeting, members will be asked to pass a motion forwarding the ordinance to the City Council for consideration. And on November 1st, staff anticipates asking City Council to adopt the new building electrification ordinance, approve the infeasibility waiver guidance document, and adopt a fee resolution to process infeasibility waiver applications. I also want to provide a brief update on a related project. On June 1st of 2021, along with the adoption of the new building electrification ordinance, Council also directed staff to evaluate water conservation policies that could conserve water while promoting green job opportunities. One of those efforts is studying the feasibility of the on-site water reuse and dual plumbing in newly constructed commercial buildings. Last month, staff presented the findings of the study as well as preliminary recommendations. And committee members requested follow-up on several items, including conducting additional meetings with stakeholders, such as the Plumbers and Pipefitters Union, and staff have been fulfilling these requests and anticipates returning to this committee next month. So that concludes my presentation. I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you, Matt. We have a couple of members of the public who wish to speak, so let's go ahead and hear them, and then we'll come back to the committee comments. Madam Clerk. Thank you, Chair. Um, I have three speakers currently. If you would like to speak on this agenda item, please either fill out a speaker slip if in chambers or raise your hand in Zoom. Speaker slips will no longer be taken, accepted once the, um, and the Zoom hand raise feature will be disabled once the first speaker is taking. So our first speaker is Derek Lim. Good evening. Oh, good afternoon. I'm sorry. I'm so used to the evening. Um, I have two, my name is Derek Lim and I'm a member of the community uh, and former city staff. Um, I've been uh, aware of the uh, electrification ordinance for at least a year Derek, or so Derek, now. maybe if you could move the two, there you go, thank you. And I, I wanted to bring up two quick points. Uh, one is the um, appeal deadline. I think more than 10 working days are needed. Um, you're, you're talking about where the impact's gonna be and the impact is gonna be where a lot of folks don't have the resources, and I think 10 days is really too short. I think something like 30 days uh, would be much better. The other point I wanted to bring up is um, with respect to economic impact. Um, there, and, and I don't think it's been recognized enough, and, and that is a lot on, in my opinion, on the uh, property and, and business districts will be severely impacted by this proposed new ordinance when it takes effect. They don't have the resources to um, have hired staff to interact with the city process. And in particular, you know, in terms of wall cooking, there's no current technology that's available that is comparable to high heat wall cooking. That affects people's livelihoods as well as their culture. So there's a lot at stake, and I hope those things will be taken into account as, uh, as, as this uh, moves forward. Thank you. Thank you. Council Member Valen. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. Out of practice. Thank you. Thank you. And the next speaker is Rosie Jacobs. 
I'm actually going to be super brief because Matt basically said most of the things I was going to say. Um, I would just want to add that um, this measure is a really needed first measure to um, start working on our gas infrastructure. The gas infrastructure, the state strategy is for the gas infrastructure to eventually go away. Um, they've already done studies um, that have shown that they can't fill our full gas infrastructure with renewable natural gas. And so that's, that's what the state is supporting policy-wise. And so the city is just essentially taking the first step towards matching this long-term policy um, of the states by, engage, by engaging in the new building electrification ordinance. And doing this um, will, in fact, kind of put off some of put off some of the things that are going to happen down the line as this change gets made. Um, there's all of the new infrastructure that gets put in at this point um, is probably not going to pencil out for the utilities that do so. And so that is an additional cost that goes to fewer customers. So the less new infrastructure we put in, the less aggregated costs we're passing on to fewer customers. And the more likely we're not gonna see as steeper rate hikes that affects all gas, all gas customers. So I congratulate the city and I look forward to seeing this ordinance passed. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is Jenna Abbott. Yes, good afternoon, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. My name is Jenna Abbott, and I'm the Senior Vice President for Strategic Initiatives for the Sacramento Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce. We are in support of the, the ordinance. Um, we just would like to see the a little more outreach done in language in some of our commercial corridors. We've heard pretty loud and clear from some of our members and members of the restaurant community, manufacturing community, coffee roasters, et cetera, that perhaps a little more outreach is necessary, again, in language. We understand the, the need for this change. Uh, climate change is definitely impacting all of us. We just want to make sure that the, the proper outreach is done. Thank you for giving me a few moments. Thank you. Our next speaker is Kathy Cresswell. Great, thank you. Um, I just wanted to uh, take this opportunity to one, thank the council for uh, recognizing and providing an exemption uh, to affordable, the limited exemption to affordable housing developments. As you know, um, our nonprofit affordable housing community has really led the way in energy efficiency, green building, sustainability, because they know it benefits both residents and the environment. And so very much want to be able to continue um, to expand the capacity to, to uh, provide even greater benefits. Um, there is some issue um, which you recognized about needing virtual net metering. So um, SMUD has a new program called Virtual Solar, we're not sure if that's going to provide the exact the kind of a program that we need. Um, so we have, as Matt mentioned, we're going to be meeting with them um, next week and hope to be able to work through any potential issues. And so um, did just want to um, thank you for your recognition of the need to make a limited exemption and to really urge you 
to not eliminate the exemption until we're really confident that the SMUD program provides the benefit of virtual net metering that's necessary to make the affordable housing developments pencil and so that we can continue uh, to provide the affordable housing we need as well as provide it with the most sustainable and energy efficient standards that are necessary both for the residents and for the city. So thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is Timothy I. Hello, can you hear me? We can. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, first of all, thank you for all the hard work on the electrification ordinance. Uh, a little bit of background, I'm the club president of Environmental Democrats of Sacramento. I am uh, involved in SAC 350 and in the Sacramento Climate Justice Coalition. And I helped push for the emergency declaration for climate change. Um, I'd like to say that firstly, it's quite silly to say that there is no business representation uh, or business input into this discussion. Businesses have the chamber, the business roundtable, many lobbyists and trade associations, and business always has a seat at the table and has been involved very thoroughly in crafting this ordinance and in prior regulations. I'd like to urge you to think that we do not need more kicking the can down the road. We do need all electric infrastructure. We do need to switch away entirely from fossil fuels, including natural gas, which is not renewable and not sustainable. Please do not extend the waiver, especially not indefinitely in this ordinance. And please keep in mind that construction that is all electric is simpler, safer, faster to build, and more sustainable. It is not more expensive or more costly to go all electric. In fact, continuing to burn fossil fuels will cost us all much more in the long run. The costly and expensive decision is to continue to allow fossil fuel infrastructure and to not switch to all electric as fast as possible. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Herman Barahona. Good afternoon, members of the board. This is Herman with the Sacramento Environmental Justice Coalition. We are proud partners of a pilot project, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> in Gardenland, where SMUD, CRP, and the Saki JC are testing out what it would actually take to electrify low-income families' houses. And we're learning that there's definitely lots of glitches to look into. We would love for the city to seriously consider those glitches that may actually uh, worsen housing situation for low-income families as you implement this ordinance. Uh, take a look at this pilot. The SMUD is leading with Stanford Settlement, Gardenland Neighborhood Associations, like EJC and CRP, because we're, we're really knocking on doors and we're, we're having these conversations about how families understand the electrification ordinance and and what they can do to, of course, help with the environment. We're, we're in favor of, of anything that improves the environment, but we are also watching out for the unintended consequences of displacing low-income families as this uh, moves forward. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's it, and, and I would just remind this, the last speaker that what we're talking about here is new building ordinance, not retrofitting. That's a different discussion that we will be having. So. Uh, Thank you for all of you for your comments. Let's go ahead to members of the committee, Ms. Valenzuela. 
Yeah, thank you, Chair, and everybody who called in, and thanks, as always, to the city staff. Um, this is a pretty ambitious undertaking, and I know our last commenter was talking about existing buildings, but if we can rewind to January 1st last year, the ordinance that was passed was to look at new and existing buildings and water retrofits, and part of the reason we were doing that was to understand those barriers to adoption, to really confront them, to confront front where the emissions are coming from now, which is existing buildings, and we need to, we can't leave those behind, but to really center equity. And I think specifically for me, something that was really important was to make sure that we centered the workers, um, something that is undeniable, and I think all of us know when we stop putting gas in new buildings that plumbers and pipe fitters lose some of those jobs. And that's something that's been pretty well documented. I don't think any of us disagree. Um, it's somewhere in the range of 20-something percent. I know the local plumbers are saying that it's somewhere in the mid-range of the 20 percent they think of potential jobs. And I know they've been very willing to work with us on a strategy to replace those jobs. Their interest has never been to say no electrification because we need those jobs. The interest has been, okay, what are we going to do now if we're losing those jobs? What will our workers do to gain income and revenue and make sure that they're not losing and we're not economically harming people with the policy. Um, and it's unfortunate, I know we've talked about the water retrofit study, but part of why that was so important was we were hoping that the water dual piping, gray water system, some of this work would help us alleviate that job impact and maybe provide a real path forward. Um, and we're not there yet. And I have to admit that I'm very, I fully appreciate the sense of urgency here on wanting to move forward on climate, but I also feel very strongly that any Green New Deal at any level of government has to have a strategy for impacted workers and a strategy for the jobs. Um, so I'm at a point now, and I'd like to hear from the members of the committee, um, I am at a point where I'm not ready to move forward. And, and that makes me sad to say, because I would love to move as quickly as we possibly can, but I can't in good conscience move forward when we don't have an answer to that key question of what are we gonna do about those jobs. I know we have a lot of other questions that we need to answer and more outreach we wanna do. I know the language outreach, the outreach to chefs, all of that is stuff that I know the team is really dedicated towards and we're continuing to do both through the new process and through existing buildings. But uh, we can't move forward without the workers here. And, and so I'm in a position at this time where I don't support moving forward to council until we have a strategy to address the plumber and pipe fitter jobs. I don't know what that looks like. I know the study that we commissioned ended up focusing just on large new commercial buildings. I'd really like to see that expanded because that will create maybe a fraction of the jobs that we think we might need to replace the ones we might be losing. So I'd be curious to hear, Chair, what other members of the committee think, but that's where I am right now on this ordinance is wanting to wait. And maybe it's just another month if we're coming back in September with an update on the water reuse conversations and the plumber pipe fitter conversations, but I'm not ready to, to move this forward today until we have an answer to that question. I just think it's too important. Thank you. Great. Uh, let's go to Mr. Guerra and then uh, I'd like to hear from staff. Uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Chair. <clears throat> First, uh, I want to thank staff for a lot of their work. I know they've been out doing a lot of outreach and trying to get as much information um, from uh, both the businesses and the communities. But I, I want to start there first uh, because uh, we are doing an in-language uh, outreach both into the Latino community and the uh, AAPI community as well um, to make sure that our businesses uh, have the information they need. And there's still a lot of confusion about where we are even, what, what's even being proposed today. So. 
Um, I think uh, number one, uh, discussing the the fact that the current proposal is uh, for new buildings. A lot of existing business owners, uh, people who have their own buildings, and and uh, and particularly the restaurant uh, workers, uh, are fearful that they have to make immediate transitions today. And for them, that that's uh, concerning about what what does it mean for their livelihood. Um, that could be detrimental for the city if we don't get that information accurate because if we have all of a sudden our local business owners who decide they want to move to another uh, jurisdiction because of it, because of misinformation, that could be negative. Um, so first, let's start. Uh, I want to really make sure that we focus on that aspect. Um, uh, you know, yeah, At the briefing I had with the Sacramento Hispanic Chamber, uh, they weren't even aware, many of their uh, their members were not even aware that where we were at in this process. So I think uh, that's concerning. And so moving forward without making sure we clarify that, I think it could be detrimental. Um, and, and that goes back to, I think, even the, you know, what uh, Mr. Barajona mentioned, that, uh, you know, the effects on, on housing. That, that, again, is a further part of the conversation, but uh, there's still those fears out there. And so David and Jenna, I think, brought uh, those points up. On on the uh, on the appeal process, uh, I agree. Also, I think the 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 thirty days uh, looking at uh, you know uh, the people who may uh, early on in the beginning fall through the cracks are going to be those that we have less contact with, those with language access issues, those in our commercial corridors that are you know they're running a small business, they're working day to day just trying to you know uh, the family run business. And so when they see this, um, uh, if they fall in this in this situation where they need to appeal, I want to make sure that we were giving them ample time to one, be able to ask the questions about what what their denial was, their exemption was, and then also being able to respond uh, appropriately. So I think on the appeal time frame, we we should uh, take that into consideration. Um, you know, to the the point about you know where, when we move forward here, and I I do think that that the staff is working hard to get there, but. Uh, the just transition is uh, critical. Like if we're gonna, uh, if we're gonna be making these immediate steps forward, we have to keep just transition at the forefront to making sure that we don't displace workers, their income, uh, and, uh, and and those are families in our own community. So I think that uh, that aspect is important. Now there are things that I think we we are uh, you know that we can definitely begin to move forward now, whether it's all at once or not. But you know the compliance with state requirements, and the states already stepped ahead and, and required certain regulations. Uh, then, um, to me, that makes sense. That let's at least get those pieces out of the way and and start moving that process forward. If it's if it's we're if we're coming into concurrence with the state regulations. So let me stop there, Mr. Chair. Those are my comments at the moment here. I know today's review and comment on the proposed framework. And uh, and I think that uh, I think you're probably going to hear that, you know, the the outreach piece and then also the just transition is probably a, of a concern here. Um, definitely, you know, uh, the city has taken a, a leadership role, but even in some instances, the state's already moved on in front of us as well. So, great, thank you, uh, Councilmember Guerra. Uh, Mr. Hertel, do you want to see if we can answer a couple of these questions around timing, around um, a policy of of uh, challenges, what do we need, or appeals, and and I think the important thing is if we delayed by one month or two months, what, how does that affect the entire process? And then also Mr. Guerra's point, which I think is, is well taken of the pieces here that are just conforming with state law, can we separate those out if we want to do that? 
Yeah, thank you, Chair. I will uh, start with the, the timing piece. So staff is confident that the timing will work well. We will be back in front of you uh, next month on September 20th for two reasons. One will be uh, with the actual ordinance language for your review and consideration with these framework pieces with an actual ordinance for you to, to read it and digest. The second piece will be a follow-up on our dual plumbing and on-site water reuse work. So those will be coming together and we're hopeful that we'll have a plan in front of you that helps address some of the comments uh, and questions that we heard from you last month. We have uh, had productive initial meeting, um, well, not initial, but another meeting with Local 447 uh, and some of the stakeholders to talk about different ideas and to, to get a better sense of, of the job loss that they anticipate on a local level. They've done um, some analysis, but you know, one thing that we're still trying to understand is uh, you know, the impact of the changes to our code. And there's a, there's a nuance here that uh, our new building electrification ordinance, as you know, is part of our uh, city code, Title 15. So what that means is that anything that is regulated, regulated by the state can continue to do gas. Therefore, plumbers and pipe fitters will continue to do those jobs. And a lot of their big jobs are state jobs, hospitals, state office buildings, schools. All those will continue to build gas. All those will continue to produce uh, plumber and pipe fitter jobs. So really trying to understand the actual impact of new private buildings that the city regulates in terms of that job loss. Uh, pretty confident it's gonna be less than the 20%, but I wanna work with them um, to make sure that we can do everything in our power to help offset that, work in good faith, and come back with a plan that we can implement uh, for the dual plumbing, but also is cognizant of the state regulation, uh, SB 966, that we have to comply with, uh, that is still being formulated, uh, and will be, should be uh, formulated by December. There's regulations the state's gonna require for treatment of gray water and black water that we will have to follow, and we wanna make sure any ordinance is consistent with that. So, uh, so I think the timing can work. We're, we're really committed to that. Uh, in terms of the questions and comments about outreach, absolutely committed to that. This new building electrification has been over three years of outreach, starting from the early days of Mayor's Commission on Climate Change, continue to work with our customers and applicants and folks who are gonna be building the new buildings to make sure that they are absolutely aware of this and most of them uh, have been aware of it, they've been planning for it and are excited about it uh, because in most cases it's cheaper, easier uh, to build. Um, in terms of you know, continuing to have uh, conversations and make sure we do multilingual outreach, we are absolutely committed to that as well. Uh, as uh, Councilmember Guerra mentioned, uh, he will be helping facilitate, facilitate a conversation in all Spanish. We've um, had a conversation facilitated in Vietnamese, uh, council member uh, Vang will be facilitating conversation among, and we'll continue to have those conversations and make sure that we're doing the outreach that we need to do. Uh, and, and I don't disagree with you um, in terms of confusion, the fact that we're doing new building and existing building at the same time, we, we're doing our, our, our best to really try to explain the, the two and the timeline and horizons. Um, but I think there is still some confusion out there and then folks talk to their neighbors and friends. And so we're trying our best to make sure uh, that existing business owners, existing restaurant owners, can, can, can be confident that, that nothing's gonna change for them coming January 1, 2023, and nothing will change for them come January 1, 2026. And do you wanna to try to keep all of these pieces in the same pot, or do we wanna take the... That would, be our, that would be our preference. Uh, the, the one thing that will be happening concurrently, so uh, our building division will be coming forward to you as well, because as the state uh, you know, changes their building code every three years, what we do, our building division comes forward to you and, and basically adopts local version 
basically default to the state. So they'll be doing that. Um, so pieces like, for example, the EV charging infrastructure requirements that I talked about, when our um, building division takes that in front of you and you adopt um, basically saying we're gonna adopt the states or you know, then that will kick in automatically. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so we, I think the timing will work well here. Uh, I think what I'm hearing here, and I'll ask my colleagues if this is good, that within 30 days, uh, you should be able to have some answers or plans around both uh, the 447 concerns as well as the outreach. And then you'll be coming back to this committee and in 30 days with those plans. That's correct. Okay, we good with that? Mr. Guerra? Yes, Mr. Chair. I think um, I, I think that gives us time to come back to this committee here. I yeah. think uh, with both council member, uh, I don't I don't want to speak for council member Valenzuela, but uh, I think uh, get, before it comes to council, we we'd like to make sure that we iron out those details here. The I did want to highlight also the virtual net metering and the challenges on the affordable housing side, and, and uh, making sure that on that aspect we're uh, we're working with our housing partners on the, on on the development of uh, affordable housing projects. Okay, Mr. Hertel was shaking his head yes, so we'll hold him to that shake. <laughs> um, with that, thank you. And I, I do wanna thank you all for the work you've done on this. I mean, it's hard to lead. There's no model here that we're really emulating and making it up as you go along, but doing a really good job. So it's much appreciated. We'll see you in 30 days. Great, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, any uh, public comment on matters not on the agenda? Chair, I have no speaker slips and no hands raised in Zoom. Okay, and any comments by members of the committee? All right, seeing none, hearing none. We're adjourned, thank you.